Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. This week's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Sign up today and get a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook of your choice from Audible.com. At the national level, people are asking the question how to save the National Republican Party. One of the people offering his sage advice and counsel is the Weekly Standard's uh, Bill Crystal. Bill, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Michael. How are you? I'm, I'm nervous about our party. A hundred yeah. pages of advice didn't quite settle my nerves. Didn't it? Didn't you'd like would have preferred a thousand-page document from the Republican National Committee? That would have been that would have been good for sleeping. I would have maybe. done it in the uh, uh, late radio legend um, Randy Michaels, who invented modern talk radio with the help of Rush Limbaugh, had a very simple advice for all of us who worked for Clear Channel back in the day: Have a take, don't suck. And that would be my <laughs> advice for the Republican parties. I like that, you know, and that is true. I mean, if, if there were less talk about. How to save the Republican Party? How to mm-hmm. adjust this and message that? I hate that verb messaging. Um, and I will to, effort getting rid of that verb messaging. I yeah, will that, try. that's very good. I'm efforting <laughs> that right now. If people just like decided, if politicians just took positions on issues, and if people on the outside just made arguments, whether it's on defense spending or on Medicare reform or on whatever they want to make arguments on, I mean that would be much healthier for the party. This the end. It is like a bunch of doctors instead of just. Uh, you know, trying to find out what's wrong and, and acting on it, they're sort of having an academic debate about how would we go about thinking about what's wrong. And I've got a 100-page report. Do you have a 200-page report? So I'm not big at any of these. I, to the degree that there's anything serious there, there's the proposal to change the primary schedule and seemingly have these regional primaries. I'm a little dubious about that, too. Really? See, I love that idea. You know, I'm okay I... on it. But look, I, I also – but I like – federalism and i like having a lot of different states do a lot of different things and i'm a little nervous about someone in washington deciding let's have these four regional primaries and that's going to be a great solution i prefer to see a lot of reforms come from the bottom up and i do think it's important to get these the parties back to being a little more to being more inclusive not in the sense of let's have a special outreach person for hispanics or for women but genuinely inclusive in the sense of civic participation lots of activity at the local and county can i can i give you the counter argument bill yep south carolina for some reason, the Republican Party decided in 1980 to let the South Carolina essentially pick the Republican nominee. And they did. Every election until 2008, I mean 2012, was right. the first time they didn't. And what did they pick? From 92 through 2012, they never picked a guy who could win the popular vote. Not a single time. And it's because the Republican establishment was uniquely strong there. They had Governor Carol Campbell and his machine, because I know, because I ran campaigns there. And they were able to deliver on behalf of the establishment by using the choke point of small states. If they'd had a regional primary of, say, Georgia, South Carolina, you know, North Carolina, Tennessee, the diversity of you – know, there is some diversity there. Obviously, there's racial diversity, some economic – or maybe throw in Florida, too. It's small enough that a small – that candidates could work the state, work the region – have some grassroots impact, but no one state would be able to say the masters in D.C. have decided it shall be W, and then W went on to lose the popular vote. Yeah, that could be. And look, states can get together, incidentally, and agree to have primaries on the same mm-hmm. day, and then you sort of de facto have done what you just right. said. I don't think that's a bad idea at all. I don't know. I think, you know, a lot of these things, there's no magic mm-hmm. bullet in terms of shuffling the schedule, shuffling the debate coordinators, shuffling the, you know, the, the, this kind of stuff. There are a lot of things I don't like about the current system. It hasn't always produced maybe the strongest candidate in the last bunch of cycles, and maybe the strongest candidates haven't always run. I mean, to be fair, you know, the person who Bush was having the showdown with Mm. in South Carolina was McCain, let's not forget. (laughs) You probably, probably, (laughs) knowing you a little bit, you probably would have been voting for Bush. So, um, you know, I I don't know if if the mechanics is the best. If you've got the strong ideas, if you've got the attractive 
uh, candidates, yeah. I think the party will I'm be sorry. It, not only do I not like this one state at a time thing, but look at the states, Bill. Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina. I'm barely comfortable with letting them vote for president at all, much less letting them it pick the nominee. It could be Massachusetts, Michael. That's that true. Way. Uh, I'm going to ask you about this. You, you talk about the branding not being important. Scott Rasmussen had a uh, poll out, I think it was today, maybe yesterday. He surveyed ideas, proposals mm-hmm. straight from Republicans. And right. voters said, yeah, that's a great idea. Then he took the same idea and presented it as a Republican proposal right. for, and support fell by half. Doesn't that show that there is a marketing, pro- in addition to other things, that there is a marketing problem in and of itself for the brand of the party? Sure, but how do you solve that? You solve that by getting the ideas out further front than the brand, I would say. Mm-hmm. You know, if if if, if you're not gonna, unless you're going to literally change the name of the Republican Party, <laughs> or unless you're literally going to take out and summarily execute the last four or five nominees <laughs> to show that it's time for a fresh start, kind of, you know, communist China style or something, uh, then you've got the brand. The way to change it is by doing things that tell people, right. hey, so two years from now, people say, hey, they're the party we used to think was kind of uh, behind the times and out of touch, but they're right. the party that really want to modernize Medicare or whatever the different issues mm-hmm. or cut government or but when people can't hear the issues, if it has Republican attached to it, you see what I'm saying? It's like a catch-22 of you want to tell them about the issues, but they won't listen if you're Republican. And the only way to change Republican is to get them to listen to you on the issues. I, I would think, why not do a good old-fashioned, maybe this is because I work in radio and love to sell ads, Bill, but why not just an old-fashioned marketing proposal? Because the brand uh, is not important. Okay. I mean, people vote for the candidate, ultimately. The candidates can swamp the brand. I mean, okay. Walker will be in Florida will be an example of that. So, you know, look how many people have won in states that, mm-hmm. that that Romney lost at the national right. level. So, and also the Democratic brand isn't so great. So I, I'm, I'm a little less concerned about that than you. You may have better judgment on this than I do. But anyway, we can't do much about the brand at this point, and I think all this marketing stuff is mm-hmm. pretty pretty ridiculous at the, at the level of sort of a bunch of people saying, you know, I wish people liked Republicans better. It's really a likable <laughs> brand, you know. And instead, just if they got a whole bunch of younger guys out there making their case to the public, I think things could change pretty quickly. And they have changed in a bunch of states. I mean, I assume the Republican brand's as bad in Wisconsin as everywhere else, but Scott Walker won and then won his re-election against tens of millions of dollars, or his special election, uh, in in, in 2012, and he's going to probably win in 2014, so... Uh, the uh, you've you've written a lot about the rise of Rand Paul and in particular focused on foreign policy and I love hearing you on that subject in general but I also want to focus you to a specific foreign policy event President Obama going to Israel not going to speak at the Knesset uh, I read a fascinating piece earlier today on the welcome that the uh, Palestinians have for him which is not a warm one uh, it looks like he's going to get a nicer welcome from uh, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu than he will from the people that were dumping seventy million dollars on in the Palestinian Authority. Well, and a lot of those people, unfortunately, people who celebrated uh, September 11th, right. and people who are, you know, uh, let's say friendly to terrorists, even if they themselves are not uh, harboring terrorists, sometimes or encouraging them. Now, of course, they've got a friendly welcome in Israel. It's a testimony, in a way, to the health of Israeli democracy that even though President Obama is not one of our more pro-Israel presidents. They love America, and they are they're very happy to have an American president uh, visiting. And there will, of course, be some scattered protests the way there are here, whatever anything happens. It's a free country. But they, I just talked to a friend of mine who's over there little two or three hours ago. And he said it's surprising how much you forget. You know, we, especially if you're in Washington, president's here, whatever, 200, 250 days sure. a year when he's not playing golf or doing other such things. And um, when he is playing golf, I guess he plays nearby a fair amount. But, you know, little country like Israel, they've only, they don't get a presidential visit every year or every five years. So 
It's really a big deal. I think he'll get well-received. It's unfortunate he's not speaking at the Knesset, which is the elected parliament right. of Israel. It has a, Arabs and uh, Muslims and Jews, Arabs and Israeli uh, and, and, you know, Jewish Israelis. Um, I mean, it really is a... Uh, uh, it's sort of weird, I think, to skip that and speak to, a, I guess, a invited group of university students. Right. I, I don't really... It doesn't matter to me one way or the other, but you would think he would want right. to speak to the elected officials of the... Of the Israeli people, you you obviously don't understand President Obama at all. He cannot wait to get those psychophantic college kids, right. Mr. Professor President. Well, they excluded. Are you aware of this? So they excluded yes. the kids from Ariel College, mm-hmm. which happens to be in the occupied territories. It's right. a totally respectable college. has Arabs and and Jews. has uh, is very you know, has well regarded scholars. There's nothing propagandistic right. or settler esque about it, except it happens to be in an area that Israel uh, took over in 1967. But they wouldn't invite students from this college, which they don't want to look like in any way. President Obama, in any way, is is approving of Israeli settlements beyond the 67 borders. There's that kind of idiocy in U.S. policy that's gone on through all kinds of administrations. Honestly, a little worse under President Obama. It'd be nice to get beyond that. But the, obviously, the serious conversations will be about Iran. They'll be very private, and we'll see if President Obama can persuade Prime Minister Netanyahu that he is serious uh, and that he doesn't just uh, that there's more than just saying all options are on the table uh, earlier today there were reports and I have I don't know how confirmed they are yet of uh, chemical weapons being used in Syria and the allegedly by the rebels but it's just that the fact that chemical weapons are in play there to me that would cause a president who wants to avoid <laughs> picking sides have to get a little serious it would focus one's mind if chemical weapons are truly in play on Israel's border and a reminder of what Iran can do uh, will, will, will the Syria mess have any in any way cause the United States to shore up its need to confront Iran and not let it become another danger it should it should shore up our need to be serious about not just right. letting sitting back in Syria and letting the whole thing spin out of control it's been just a humanitarian disaster but also now a political disaster Iran is playing big time in Syria, and we're not. If you, I just talked to someone else a couple of days ago was in Washington from the Middle East, not from Israel, who said, "What you know, I said, how do we look, what does it look like to you guys over there? And he said, one word answer, Syria. You said two years ago, your president, the American president, right. someone who's still taken very seriously in that part of the world, said two years ago, Assad must go, he can't be permitted to stay in power, and you have done nothing for two years. And he said, you can't, you, you don't appreciate how much that undercuts your influence and the respect for America and the sense that America's got to be t- t- taken seriously when it says something, including when it says, when we say, Iran can't be allowed to get nuclear weapons. So I think right. Syria's done much more damage, really, than even I realized to our standing in the Middle East, apart from the terrible damage it's done to the people of Syria. One last thing, Bill. We heard that the Washington Post allows the White House staff to get access to behind their paywall for free. Could we get the Weekly Standard to, I don't know, airlift copies and drop them? down on the White House? Yeah, you think. And they, 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 they've been peppering us with emails. They heard we were thinking of doing a little metered approach, and they're worried that they won't be able to read, you know, the 65th blog post each each week. And so uh, they don't want to pay, of course, because they're cutting back everything at the right. White House. Are you aware of that? Maybe that's yeah, course, and I, I know, that, that, Easter Bunny, that's President right. Obama's The sequester took away the, the Washington golf. Post. I he's cut back on the golf. Uh, <laughs> you know. Bill Crystal, thanks much for joining us. We appreciate your time. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. And thanks to audible.com for their special offer, a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook of your choice. Be sure to check out the special offer from audible.com. I'm your host, Michael Graham.